Are you guys ready for this next beatitude? Um, it's, it's the last beatitude in, uh, in this opening of the Sermon on the Mount. And what we've been looking at, I, I loved these, these beatitudes and looking at them together because, first of all, it's, just, it's, it's very near and dear to my heart. It was in the preaching of this, this series a long time ago where I first got that name, Citizens Church, where I felt like, God, well, the truth is God has called us to be citizens of a different kingdom. Amen? Like, we live our lives very differently than the kingdom of, of this world. Someone say it. Say, you're different. Tell your neighbor you're different. Come on, tell your neighbor you're different. Wake up, church. Tell them, one, two, three. You're different. You're different. I need you to just forever remember that because it's not a bad thing to be different. It's actually a very good thing. Look at me, everybody. It's a good thing if you're different with the right difference. Like, the world doesn't need more of what the world already has, everybody. The world doesn't need more animosity. The world doesn't need more hatred. The world doesn't need more merciless. The world doesn't need, the world doesn't need more people walking around in pride. What the world needs is the church to live out these values that God has called us to. Like if we can live within the context of these beatitudes, of, of those who are called to be of a different kingdom, then you will watch the kingdom of God do what the kingdom of God is meant to do and start changing the world around us. Your world changes everybody. And God will, will, will pave the way before you to change the world as you embrace these values wherever God has placed you. Come on, I'm talking on your, in your workplace. I'm talking in your home. I'm talking to your high school and junior high students. That as you embrace these values on your school, God will begin to use you in, in mighty ways to change the dynamic of, of that school. And so we've been looking at these Beatitudes. A couple of things we notice about Beatitudes is, first of all, all of them come with this blessing. Blessed are. If you live in these, then you'll be blessed. And what it means is, oh, how happy is the man or woman who. And it's not just a happiness that is based on happenings and happenstance. It's a, it's a deep down joy that no matter what's going on around you, you know you're okay. Like it's all gonna be all right. Cause see, I'm just blessed. And so these beatitudes open the door for you to experience blessing in your life. Anyone want to experience God's blessing? Come on, you with me, amen? You live in these. And then they give us, this blessing is attached to these values that are very countercultural. They're upside down and inside out from everything else the world is calling us to do. So blessed are the poor in spirit. Oh wait, I thought it was the rich. No, poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Oh, I thought it was the, those who just, who, you know, are all full of confidence and know their stuff and, and full of pride. No, it's the meek, right? Blessed are, and he goes on through this list, the merciful. Very upside down and, and inside out from the world. And then what he does at the very end of them is he, he gives us these promises. He will say, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. This is a promise ahead of you. You get the kingdom. Blessed are, and he gives a promise. And what he's been saying over and over again, listen, and I always want you guys to come back to this, is what he's saying over and over again is that there's always more for your life. And it's these values that actually unlock the more. They move you into the more that God has for your life. And so I've been praying for you, church, that as we've gone through this, that you would find yourself moving into experiencing the more that God does have for your life here on this planet, here and now, that God would be blessing you and, and, and stretching you in, into new territory in your life as you're living these things out, all right? Today we're looking at the last one. And friends, this is the one that if you got to choose, you'd probably skip. 
This is the one that you would be like, can, can we not talk about it? Can we act like it's not there? But friends, it's there, and we're going to look at it together today and wrestle with it together. So would you pray with me? God, we just pray as we get into your word today that you would help us to understand this next beatitude, God, and to apply it to our life. Lord, I ask that you would anoint me to preach your word. God, you would anoint us to hear your word. That, God, we would leave here different. We'd leave here changed. That these moments in your word, God, would, would, would come back into our lives and produce fruit, God, and, and would bring glory to you. And so, God, we commit this time to you. We open up our hearts to you right now. Speak to us, God. God, I recognize that so many of us are in different places. We're facing different things. And I just pray there would be a word for everybody in here today as we lean in, God, to what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone agreed together and said a good hearty. Amen. Well, it's the eighth beatitude that makes you wish there was only seven. Right? And here it is, my friends. Here's what it says. It says, blessed are the persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, this isn't a verse that we're going to post on the gram or, or, you know, throw on our fridge. Does anyone still do that? My fridge isn't, you can't even use magnets on the, on the fridge anymore. But this isn't one of those verses that you kind of, you know, you get, you get printed out and, and, and put it up in your, in your house somewhere. Blessed are the persecuted. You're not going to remind yourself of this on your way out the door in the morning to, to bring you some encouragement. But friends, just because it's not on our fridge or we don't post it on our Instagram, you need to realize it's in the Bible. And therefore, we have to preach it. Because if we don't preach it, we won't be prepared for it. And if God is telling you something, it's, it's for a reason. He wants you to be prepared. He wants you to understand that there's this thing called persecution that you and I, as believers, will face. Now, I've got to say it up front. I fully recognize that the persecution that we face here today in America and our version of it is nothing like, and I'm not, I'm not naive to think that it's anything like the persecution of our brothers and sisters in, in, in times before that have given their lives for Jesus. And even brothers and sisters right now all over the world that are, that are, that are giving their lives, are, are putting their lives in harm way as they're holding the truth of the gospel. That's happening right now in our world all over the place. Our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan that, that have faced pressure right now in the midst of everything going on. So I do feel a little awkward preaching to an American church about persecution when I fully realize that our persecution is, is nowhere near the persecution that our dear brothers and sisters are facing all over the world. And friends, I'm telling you right now, there's even, we even sometimes have people watching from all over the world. And I want to tell you, wherever you are, we love you and we're behind you in every way. Come on, church, amen. Just the people who, who really do, man, suffer persecution. But this verse will find its way, it'll filter its way into your life wherever you find yourself today, Christian you will in some way face persecution. The Greek word literally means, it means to pursue, persecution. It means that someone's pursuing you with the goal of, with the goal of stopping you, slowing you, 
uh, discouraging you, uh, just dismantling what it is you've been trying to build. This is what persecution does. It, it seeks to undo. So, so I need you to know to, today that you're going to have people, I, I know you're glad you came to church today. I'm just reminding you, <laughs> like, you're going to have people that are going to come after you. You're going to have people come against you. You're going to have situations that are, are built to actually stop what it is you're trying to do or what you've been called to live within as, as a Christian. The dictionary defines it this way. It means to pursue with harassing or um, oppose, uh, uh, oppressive treatment. It means they're gonna get, they're gonna cause you trouble. Trouble, trouble. I, that song just in my head. It's gonna cause you trouble. And I just need you to know that today. And here's what I wanna do in dealing with, dealing with this issue of persecution, right? First thing I think that's so important to do when we talk about this beatitude, blessed are those who are persecuted, is that you, you have to qualify it. Someone say qualify it. Qual it's very important that you qualify it. Because notice he says, blessed are the persecuted, not period. Come on, look at me, everybody. He says, blessed are the persecuted, what's he say? For righteousness sake. See, I think there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of us today, a lot of people today, a lot of Christians in, in America today that, that get into this, this um, it's like this, this, we think we're being persecuted for Christ's sake, but really we're being persecuted because we're just being stupid. You know what I mean? We're, we're being foolish. And so we have this, um, this persecution kind of attitude about everything that happens in our life. And we're not being persecuted for righteousness sake. It's just because you're ridiculous. You know, you're just doing dumb things. So Christians who claim that they're being persecuted for Christianity are actually being persecuted for their lack of it. Like, we think we're being persecuted for righteousness sake, but the reality is you're just harsh. You're just a harsh person. Like, you're bitter. You're, you're prideful. You're arrogant. You're, you're, like, very difficult to be around. So don't say it's because of your Christianity. It's actually your lack of it. You're standing for your Christian virtues, but you're standing, standing for them in a way that is not virtuous. Come on, come on. I need you to not let these things, I'm saying them very fast, but let them absorb into your heart. Because it's happening all over, the, all over the place right now. Christians are blasting with an attitude. And when you get attitude back, you're like, oh, persecution. It's like, no, you're being foolish. This isn't how Jesus did this, right? The persecution that, that Paul, that Jesus is talking about here is in the Paul, that Paul faced and all the others faced in, in, in scriptures. A person is a persecution for what? Righteousness sake. So in other words, look at me. It's a persecution that comes on the backs of you living righteous. It's a persecution that comes because you've lived in the first seven beatitudes. That's why God gives it to us. As the, as the eighth beatitude. He's like, if you're walking in these, before we're done, I need you to know something. If you're living in these, you can expect this eighth thing to happen. And so what are those things? If you are, this is for the, the people who are, you mean, what, remember that? I mean, you're passive aggressive. You're passive in regards to self. You're not walking around all, you know, just filled with pride. And you walk into the family Thanksgiving and it's all about you and what you did this year and what they're not doing. And if you, like, come on, you're going to get persecuted because you're just being dumb. This is for, this is for, I'm sorry, church, everybody. This, we're having a good morning already. Come on, like, pastor said he's being dumb. Like, I'm with you. Sometimes I'm being dumb, right? The meek are those who 
are passive in regards to self, but they, they make a stand for Christian principles and values. They fight for the things that matter in the way that matters. They fight for what's right in a way that's right. The merciful. Blessed are the merciful, he said. Well, the merciful are the people who don't give other people what they deserve. The merciful are those who love. What does love do? Love covers a multitude of sins. See, I'm living in this righteousness. I'm not walking around calling people out because they called me out. No, I'm, I'm, walking, I'm loving on people around me. Remember what we said, church? We're going to be guilty of loving people too much. I'd rather be guilty of loving people too much than of ju judging them too harshly. Come on, with me? And so when we're living that way, righteousness, then he says, blessed are you when you're persecuted for living that way, right? We talked about the peacemakers. We just did this one. This is the persecution that comes to those, the peacemakers who, who are standing for truth and using lots of grace. Truth and grace. Jesus came filled with both truth and grace. And he says, this is to be on our lives. Amen? And he says, this is the persecution. Once you've qualified it, this is, this is who it's for. So it's the one seeking to raise their kids in a way that honors God. In the midst of a culture that might not necessarily care about how their kids are raised. And so you're going to keep loving on your kids. You're going to keep giving your kids um, standards. You're going to keep helping your kids coming alongside. You're involved in their life. And, and that might not be the way that a neighbor does it or a friend does it. And you might get a little backlash from that because you actually care. Because you get into their life and you, you paint the, the lines of right and wrong in their life. And, and how dare you, right? This might be for the person who, despite what's being said about them, or even done to them at work or at school, they keep on loving and they keep on caring instead of becoming bitter and angry. If you're becoming bitter and angry, then the persecution that's coming on you is probably deserved. But if you're in the midst of what could cause bitterness and anger, you continue to love and be kind at work, on the campus or wherever you might be, and that persecution that comes, well, he says, now blessed are you. Like, come on. In the middle of the pressure that you're facing, the circumstances that you're facing, there's a blessing that will rest on you if, while you're facing it, you continue to walk in righteousness. Don't step outside the bounds of what the seven Beatitudes have called us to and then, and then go around whining about being persecuted. You all right, church? You with me? So when you live that way, he says, once you qualify it, here's the next thing, everybody. Write this down. You can expect it. If you're living righteous, you, you just need to know this. There's going to be persecution. There's, there's going to come in your life circumstance, situations. They might show up as, as people in your life, right, who are going to try to slow your roll. They're going to try to come up against you. They're going to try to stop what it is you're, you're, you're doing. They're going to try to change your direction. They're going to try to take down what you've been building up. And some of you right now are thinking about people. You're thinking about circumstances, situations you're facing right now that are trying to slow you, stop you, detour you. Okay? This is a, a form of, not, not like what others are experiencing, but there is persecution coming your way. And I'm not a doom and gloom guy, but as you look at 
the trajectory of things right now, you feel a, there's more pressure. Like culture is shifting and there is more of a persecution coming towards those who choose to stand for right and, and wrong, okay? And, and it is, it feels like it's, it's being turned up a little bit in the workplace. It's, there's kind of some, some more pressure coming on, on you in, in your different environments. And here's what you need to know, you guys. Listen, the Bible says you need to expect it's just going to happen. In other words, the reason God tells you that is so that you're prepared for it, right? Like if you think you give your life to Jesus and it's just like always going to be good, then the moment it gets hard, you're like, I didn't sign up for this. You didn't expect it. And the things you don't expect, they can take you out. That actually, the things that, that you could typically push through because you're expecting it to come, now you can't push through. So it's like, it's like how many, like my kids, when they were young, they used to, I'd come walking in, and one of the games that they love to play, um, which is, might be why I'm still sore today, everybody, is like I would come in a room and they'd hide, like standing up on top of something, and I'd come in, and right when I walked in, you know, Raya would come flying from who knows where and just grab hold of, hold of my back or grab hold of my neck. And I tell you, if you don't expect it, man, that'll mess you up quick. You know, like take you down. But once you expect it and you kind of know their little hiding spots and you know where they're going to come, come in at you from, now you walk in and you're just ready for it. It's like, come on, go ahead. Now I, now I love this game. It's like it's going to be all right because I can expect it. I could take it. I could brace myself for it. And no matter where she comes from, I'm ready for it. I can, I can handle it. It's not going to tweak my back as, as much as it would if I wasn't expected, expecting it. And some of you, listen to me, if you don't expect, I'm trying to get you to expect some persecution. Because if you don't, it's going to get you all tweaked up. Okay, you're just like, oh, it just hurt more than it should. And it might sideline you. It might actually detour you. It might actually sideline you from what it is God's called you to do at your place of employment. Oh, this turns... They're turning up the heat, and I'm getting a little pressure, and the, and, the, and the guys are saying this, and this rumor started, and I just can't do it anymore. But if you go into it with me telling you, hey, it's going to happen, now you kind of go in and go, all right. Now you're just going, I'm ready for it. I could push through this, right? I mean, have you ever stepped off a curb that you didn't know was there? Yeah, right? How'd that go? Like, not well. You know a curve is there, it's very natural. You could just like do it. You don't know what's there, you're on the floor. And I'm telling you, this is the same thing with persecution. If you don't know what's there, it's going gonna, it's gonna to lay you out. But if you know it's coming, and friends, I'm telling you, in your life somewhere you will, as you live out these values, as you stand in the way that God has called you to in righteousness, I'm telling you, there's a curve coming. There's some persecution coming. And so you just need to, you need to prepare yourself for it. Guys, listen, when you gave your life to Jesus, you enlisted in a battle. Like you're in a war right now. There's a battle raging. I'm so sorry to burst your bubble. Some of us think that when we give our lives to Jesus because we were preached like the wrong gospel or a different gospel that told you it's all about, you know, health and wealth and prosperity and this and it's just all going to be easy and you're going to give your life to Jesus and go skipping off into heaven and everything's always going to be easy. It's like we all thought we were all going to get on the love boat, you know, and kind of play shuffleboard as we head off into the horizon as the sunset or something. And that was Christianity. And then you get on this thing that you thought was the love boat. And 
just moments into the trip, you hear a missile launched off the back of the boat, and you're thinking, what did I sign myself up for? Yeah, it's a, it's a battleship, everybody. It's a battleship. It's, 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 we're, in, we're in war, and there is very much so a war raging all around us, and it at times will come out and, 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 and strike us, right? Like, don't be surprised by it. Like John, in the book of John, chapter 16, Jesus gave us a promise, John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. Oh, I love that verse. See, that's the one you want to put in your fridge. He's like, I love that verse. But he goes on. Jesus goes on to say, in this world you will have trouble. There's so much trouble. Doesn't God love me? God, God if, if, you, if you love me, then I, then I wouldn't be facing trouble. I wouldn't be facing trial. I wouldn't be, God, if you love me, then I wouldn't be in the middle of this. God's just going, listen, I need you to understand up front is there's going to be trouble. Right? Because you're in this thing called the world. The world is broken. The world is hurting. I need you to be there. You're in it. He says, but take heart. Why? Because I've overcome the world. In other words, like, it's, you're going to be all right. Why? Because this world isn't all there is. I've actually overcome this world. There's more to this world than this world. Come on, can I get a better amen? amen. And so Jesus is, he gives us this promise, but he also gives us hope in the middle. This promise of, of persecution, of trouble, but uh, hope that we don't always have to live in the trouble. Okay? He's overcome it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 11 say this. Finally, brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I love that verse. But like the verse Jesus gave us, it goes on. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Good morning, everybody. You're getting ready to leave your house for the day. And the Bible comes along. Spirit of God comes along. God says, hey, before you go today, remember to put on the full armor of God. See, you were like, you weren't dressed that way. You got your little business suit on. You got, you know, girls, you went and got yourself a fancy new dress for work today. You got, you get yourself, you're just gonna, we're gonna have a good day. It's just gonna, I got my, I got my, I got my, uh, you know, my, you know, work clothes on. I got my play clothes on. I got my, and what Jesus says is, but I don't care where you're going, before you, you, before you leave, you need to put on the full armor of God. And now, what does that tell you about where you're going today? Come on. If he's like, hey, before you leave, you need to put on this, this thing called armor. What does armor do? It, it, it protects you as you're walking out into this, in this battlefield. It protects you as you're walking out. And God's saying you need to realize that as you walk out, this is where you're going. Take up the armor. Hey, grab your helmet. Don't forget that's where you're going today. And, and you've got to have an awareness to the fact that this is the reality of your life. The moment we decided to give our lives to Jesus is the moment we decided, the moment we decided to live in the values of these beatitudes is also the same moment that we declared war. And he will pursue us, the enemy will, try to frustrate us through whatever means po possible. Opinions are going to be formed about you. Rumors are going to start about you. 
And the enemy will constantly try to cause confusion and frustration. Those guys in the office, they might. They might start talking behind your back. I don't know. I don't know what it might be. Your family might exclude you from from certain things. Um, There's going to be pressure on you teachers to teach in in a different way than is within, that's true to your own heart and true to your own morals and values and convictions. Like, what do you do? You're going to suffer some kind of pressure trying to stop you from living out what God's put in, right? You're going to face it. And you just need to know that up front, friends. It's, it's going to happen. And if you don't expect it, there's the other thing that can happen. If you don't expect it, it can take you out because it surprises you. The other thing is this. If you don't expect it, a lot of people try to avoid it. And so now all of a sudden, if you're not expecting persecution, you're walking around and you're just trying to avoid it. Like, and so now, now you're going to live life on is easy street. Now, instead of maybe standing for something you would typically stand for, or you should be standing for, you're not going to because, you know, I'm trying to avoid persecution. Well, God says, don't, know, don't know. It's not that we go out looking for it, but it's also that we don't avoid it. it it's going to happen in the life of those who are living in these Beatitudes. So it's kind of like you go, all right. I'm not going to back down from the thing God's calling me to live out. I'm not going to back down from, from the truth I'm being asked by God to stand for, right? And you have to find those lines wherever God has, has called you. Listen, you will suffer persecution. Don't run around trying to just avoid it at all costs. Because if you avoid it at all costs, you might be avoiding the very thing God's calling you to live in. That makes sense? And so we've got to be willing just to go, hey... I know this might happen, and I'm willing. Much of what God wants to accomplish through our lives is going to put us in the path of persecution. The work that God does in us and through us is not always the easy path. It's not, it doesn't always look like a convenient path. It doesn't always look like, like you know, what's going to be the simplest route from where I am to there. Sometimes God will call us to do things that bring persecution on us that bring some type of of threat against us and you just need to know that's okay that's okay matter of fact it's promised to you maybe God's calling you to press in in the workplace but there's a piece of you that knows that the moment you do you're gonna get listen you press in in the workplace let God worry about the consequences amen God's calling you to stand up for a truth. You stand up for a truth. He's calling you to step out and, and start a, a ministry on your campus. He's calling you to speak up um, in the context of a, of a family, your family, a family member. Right? When God's putting that on your heart, here's what often we do. Watch. We go, God, if I do that, then they're going to do this. And if they do this, then that means that. And that means that. You walk all the way to this. That was where you landed. That sounds like that. Come on, you with me? Anyone ever do that? You, you go, God's calling me to do this thing. And you, here we go. I'm going to. And all of a sudden, the whisper of the enemy. But if you do that, then this. See, see, now you know, hey, you will suffer persecution when you do the things God's called you to do. So when God calls you to do it, don't sit there and play out all the different options of persecution you're going to face. When God calls you to do it, do it, and let him worry about the consequences of what takes place. Amen? I'm just going to do it. So where is God calling you to press in? Don't be afraid of what's to come. He promised you that it will happen. Amen? So we need to qualify this thing called persecution. 
We also need to expect it. And guys, here we go. Here's, here's how we're going to land this thing. I wish I could find a different way to land it. I wish as I was studying and looking at different ways to try to leave you in this Beatitude series, I was really, really digging to find something else, but I couldn't. This is all we got, everybody. Is that you got to qualify it, you got to expect it, and then here's what the Bible actually says, is you got to endure it. And again, I wish, I wish there was some other option. I wish I could be like, hey, and here's what you do. You just pray this prayer and this magic God does, settles on everything and takes away all the persecution, makes everything easy. No, like what scripture says is your job is to endure it. Endure it. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 3 says this. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure it. It means you continue to press on through it. I want to help you, though, understand how to endure it. Okay? How do you endure it? So write these, I'm going to give you three quick things. How do we do this? How do we endure what will come against us? You endure it by remembering first and foremost, write this down, the source of it. Like where is it coming from? Ephesians 6, 12 says this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of, weakness, weak, uh, of wickedness in heavenly places. Guys, look at me. You need to understand this. If you're going to endure it, you got to understand the source of it. If you think the source of it is your boss, if you think the source of it is your family, you think the source of it is your coworker, you think the source of it is fill in the blank, then you're going to launch a war, a counterattack against your boss, against your family, against your fill in the blank. Some of you are having an aha moment right now, like, oh, you're telling me my boss isn't the enemy? No. There are what I would call spiritual strings attached to every uh, aspect of persecution you're going to face as a believer. And when you understand that, here's what it's going to do. It's going to, it's going to in your life, unlock a door that now allows you to endure this thing a little bit with, with some grace, right? Because when I understand it's not my boss, I understand there's spiritual strings attached to this thing. Now all of a sudden, I'm not frustrated just with my boss or mad at my boss. I'm not going to take out my, my aggravation on my, on my boss. Now I'm going to unlock that and direct it toward my real enemy. That's going to cause me to pray, seek God, press in. I'm going to fight a spiritual war with spiritual weaponry. And now as I'm praying, I'm seeking God to do what only God can do in the spiritual realm. When I walk into my boss, I can continue to live out the Beatitudes. I'm going to continue to love him her and care for him or her. I'm going to continue to reflect Christ in the midst of however they're treating me because see, you're not my enemy. You're not my enemy. When, when that party and, 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 and these over here that are organizing themselves around something I don't even, I don't even think they should, I'm not going to attack them. See, there's spiritual strings attached. I'm going to actually go to the source of the conflict. Uh, we're going to wage war in the, in the spiritual, you see. Does that make sense, everybody? So if we don't understand that there's spiritual strings attached, 
we end up bolstering our attack in the, in the physical plane. So we raise our voice. We strengthen our argument. Maybe we rally more supporters. We begin to picket. We begin to protest. We clench our fists. We grit our teeth. And all of those things might feel even necessary. But the reality is that spiritual wars are won in spiritual ways. Okay? That anything we do in the physical plane must be bathed in prayer in the spiritual plane. Right? Does that make sense? We have to... Well, 2 Corinthians say, says this, for though, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5 says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What he's saying is that you're not going to be able to, in and of your own self to change somebody's mind. There's a spiritual element applied to it. And before you say what you're going to say to try to change their mind, you better address the spiritual thing that's actually blinding their eyes. Because you change your argument, but your, argu your new argument is not going to change their heart. So he says the, the weapons he gave us in the spiritual through prayer and seeking God, that these are the things that could actually help take every thought captive and submit it to Christ. You know the problems that we're facing today in our world and the, the issues you're going to face at work and in the workplace or at, or at school, as a teacher, the, these, it, it's all rooted in thoughts that are not in submission to Christ, right? Come on, you with me? It's rooted in a world that thinks they have a different and better way. Well, the way we combat that thought, the Bible says here, is through this, through our spiritual weaponry. And so you can, you can argue all you want, but your argument's not going to change their heart. You pray, you seek God, you, you, you fast, you, you lean into the spiritual, and then you start to bring these truths so that they can land on fertile soil. Okay? See, you can endure it, when you realize the source of it, the source of it. The other thing you need to realize is, is who's with you in it. You can endure it when you realize who's with you in it. The Bible tells us a story in the, in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 3, we meet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you know those names, right? A lot of you who grew up in church. But that was not their real names. Those were the names that were given to them by King Nebuchadnezzar. He was trying to change their name. And you have a world today that in the very same way is trying to change your name, trying to call you something other than you are. But just because someone calls you a name doesn't mean it needs to change your nature. And these three, even though the world around them had tried to change their name, they continued to live within this nature that honored and served and and, re, and, and worship God and God alone. And if you know the story, Nebuchadnezzar comes in and he, the king at that day, he builds this massive, this massive sculpture. And he tells Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and everybody else that when the band plays, your job is to bow down to this, to this image, to worship this image. Or, or you're going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. No big deal, right? Your life is just going to be... We're going we're to put you in there, okay? So here's my choice. Either I bow down or things are going to heat up. 
And some of you find yourself in that same situation today. Bow down. Submit. Stop standing for that. Stop living for that. Stop doing things that way. And if you don't start doing things our way, things are going to heat up in your life. Whatever that looks like. And so if you know the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get out there in the crowd. The band starts playing. It literally says there's a band that's going to play. And everyone begins to bow down. Like just hundreds of thousands of people bow down. And that's happening in our world all around us today. People just bowing down. Bowing down to the animal. Bowing down to the hatred. Bowing down to the, to the value systems of this world. Bowing down to everything that, that's opposite of what we've been called to within these beatitudes. And everybody's bowing down. And the dust begins to settle. And as it settles, off in the distance, you see these three young men standing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar is furious. He says, heat the fire seven times over. Matter of fact, it's so hot that the guards who were drawing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego toward that fiery furnace, it says that they were killed because of the heat. They were knocked down because of the, because of the fire. And they're thrown into this fiery furnace. And there they are in the middle of this fiery furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar looks into the furnace and he goes, hey guys, didn't we throw three in there? Because I count four, and one is as the Son of Man. And I'm telling you, friends, that when you walk through whatever persecution might come on your life, as you stand for what God's called you to stand for, He stands with you as you're standing for Him. He walks with you in a way that you'll, you'll never understand unless you experience it. But God will, listen, he promises to be with you in it, carry you through it. The, the fourth in the fire is Jesus. And I'm telling you, the, the one in your fire will be Jesus. And, and when, when the King Nebuchadnezzar called them out, you know the scripture says that they didn't even smell like smoke? And the only thing that burnt off them were the ropes that bound them. And I'm telling you, friends, there's some freedom that'll come in your life. The things that were binding you, you're bound with fear, you're bound with, with anger, you're bound with whatever, because you, know, you just didn't know how to properly handle persecution. You didn't know how to handle it when things heat up in your life. But I'm telling you, if you choose to let Jesus walk with you through the heat that comes in your life, what will burn off you are the things that bound you. The things that, that once held you down. And so, friends, you've got to know the source of it. You've got to know who's with you in the midst of it. And I'm going to leave you with this as the band comes up. You've got to know this is what lies beyond it. What lies beyond it. Like Jesus said this, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Great is your reward in what? Heaven. you just got to have a heavenly mindset. Like it's, it's an eternal perspective. This earth is not my home. Like no matter what comes against me, no matter what persecution it might be, no matter hev how heavy it, it might be, you could always look past whatever's coming at you and you could look toward heaven. The world's not my home. The greatest key to happiness on this earth, ready? Here's the key to happiness on this earth. Ready? Don't put it all in this earth. Like life is more than this. 
And if I'm trying to live where I just want everything out of this earth and it's all got to work and it's all got to, guys, I'm never going to actually find true joy. See, I've got life beyond this earth, everybody. And no matter what I face today, I could face it resting in the fact that heaven's my home. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 8 and 9, Paul. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. Here's a word, we're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. God doesn't abandon me in the middle of it. I'm struck down, he says, but, but we're not destroyed. It goes on. chapter, verse 17. He tells us this, for our light and momentary troubles, watch, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I have something far better waiting for me than what it is I'm walking through today. And this light affliction, this, this, I know it feels so heavy and I know it feels so, so, almost like I can't bear it but I have a heaven waiting for me. So even if I'm not, if I don't get through the persecution on this side, even if I don't move into a place of, of rest on this side, I have an ultimate rest waiting for me in heaven. For the Bible says that every tear will be wiped from every eye. Where there will be no more pain, there will be no more sorrow. For this earth and its death will be swallowed up and all things will be new, David's friends. There is that day coming for every single one of us. So we fix our eyes, he says, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. So as we close today, some of you find yourself facing some type of persecution right now in, in your life. Maybe it's on the home front. Maybe something that God's called you to and your heart's been filled with fear and you've been contemplating maybe quitting or backing down. You've, you've been trying to maybe even ignore this thing that God's called you to. But I need you to remember, friends, that Jesus said you need to expect this persecution. And, and, and you can endure it because he's always going to be with you in it. Isaiah chapter 4 verse 10 says this, Fear not, for I am what? With you. Church, God is going to go with you. Fear not, for I am with you, nor do be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. Would you pray with me? God, we th thank you today that although we may have trouble in this world, God, your word to us is that we can have peace because you have overcome this world. This world is not all there is. There's more to this world than this world. And we thank you for that. God, I pray for, pray for my brothers and sisters, God, that as they go out to live within these beatitudes that we've looked at over these last several weeks, that 
that God, you would use us, Lord, to change the atmosphere around us, God, that we would be those who live in your blessing, that we would be those who walk in your promises, God, as we live in these values that you've called us to. And God, when we face persecution, when there are those who try to per persuade us otherwise or to stop us or to slow us, God, we, we won't retaliate, God, with, by stepping outside the values you've called us to live in. But God, all the more loving, being merciful, being gracious, and God, continuing to do all that you've called us to do. We commit ourselves to it, God. Lord, it's the very next verse where you say that, God, then we can live as salt. Then we can live as light. And so, God, we commit ourselves to being that salt, to shining that light, no matter what we